Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio with all the ladies in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, there are many ways of getting our show. You can download directly from our website at techcentral.ie. You can use the smartphone podcast app. Uh, there's iTunes, of course, or you can listen to us on the radio every Friday on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Joining me as always is editor of Tech Central, Niall Kitson. And now we've got a new Android system to discover. Uh, but first, the dark web rears its ugly head in Wicklow of all places what's what's happening there uh, well, it might and it might not. I mean, this is this is a, a legal case that's ongoing. So, you know, nothing has been decided yet. This is sub 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 judice sub judice. Uh, it's under discussion at the moment. It's an ongoing case. Um, okay, this is um, the case of Gary Davis from Kilpetter in County Wicklow, who may or may not be better known to users or former users of the, the Silk Road as Libertas, one of the site's administrators. Now, um, did we talk? about uh, the Silk Road gosh I, I, I guess it closed down in 2013 it's uh, sort of uh, it's runner I guess you could say it's organiser it's a creator Ross Ulbricht was uh, convicted in I think it was what 2015 of running the site he mm. is in prison for life that is it life no parole that's that is the rest of his days um and uh, sort of the investigation has, has sort of mushroomed out since then. And uh, it looks, you know, the, the U.S. government or U.S. prosecutors are making the argument that uh, Gary Davis is one of the site or was one of the site's administrators under the username of Libertas. Uh, and, you know, if uh, if extradited, he faces, you know, potentially a very long spell in prison. But his um, uh, legal defence uh, against, extradition, uh, against extradition is based on uh, the fact that he has Asperger's and also suffers from depression as well. And uh, he says that if he was extradited, he would be held in pretty inhumane conditions in an American prison and, you know, w- would be at risk we'll we'll put it that way so I mean this is a defence that has come out an awful lot in cases involving uh, say computer hackers going all the way back to Gary McKinnon Uh, you remember his case that started in gosh 2002 at this stage and Mm. it was only resolved 10 10 years later when um, Theresa May then Home Secretary now Prime Minister of England um, put a block on extradition proceedings to the US so do you remember what happened to Gary McKinnon? I don't no no remind me Okay, basically he was responsible for what at the time it probably still is in history the biggest hack of US military systems ever so between 2001-2002 he was riding roughshod over uh, American military systems deleting files leaving messages um, all this kind of thing. He was eventually identified. His argument was that, you know, he, he wasn't motivated by politics or anything like that. He, he believed he was looking for evidence of UFOs and, uh, you know, uh, evidence of anti-gravity uh, mm. technology being used by NASA. Um, his defense also was, you know, no harm done-ish. 
Uh, also, I suffer from Asperger's. I would be at risk if I if I was incarcerated in the states. Okay, um, so essentially we have we have this guy who's uh, who's sitting in Wicklow and he's being chased by the U.S. authorities for these uh, crimes, and he's 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 not denying them, but he is saying that uh, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to serve time over there because it will affect him um, his health. Yeah, yeah, that's effectively it, and it's it's a. Uh, Asperger's has been brought up as a defence a, a lot in mm. cases of computer hackers. I mean, you you might remember, um, it wasn't the Sony hack, but there were um, some members of Lulsec, that's what it was. Um, it was discovered that they, they suffered from Asperger's and it was very much uh, sort of they were doing it for the challenge or just, you know, they had no concept of what the eventual sort of... Uh, uh, consequences of their actions would be mm. and this was taken in mitigation when it came down to um, deciding what sentences they would serve so uh, it's it's a complicated defence it's um, I, d- I honestly don't know it, it has proved I don't want to say successful in the past because you know but they have been as a condition well, it has been taken into account we'll say mm. There's a, there's a lot of hurdles to to cross because you've got international borders uh, firstly and then you've got that uh, defense and then what did he actually do on the dark web and the whole thing it's a, it's a story well worth watching and and we will um tell me the other big story of the week is the new android system we have an idea of what uh, what, what what's coming our way yeah, Android Nougat has uh, started its rollout earlier this week. And uh, let, let's go through a few features because you'll be excited about this because you're running Android on your smartphone of choice at the moment. Um, so Android Nougat, uh, 250 changes uh, apparently under the hood. We will notice a fraction of them because these are mostly felt by developers uh, who will be looking at apps and things like that uh, and contributing feedback to for the next iteration of um, Android, if, you know, when it arrives. So... Hmm. A couple of things that you might find interesting. There are 72 new emoji. Yay. Yay. Yeah. I'm so, <laughs> so that excited. Brings, yeah, that's a total of 1500 emoji if you're into your, if you're into Android. So that's great. You need never use the alphabet ever again. Um, there are, uh, there's the introduction of quick settings um, to manage control and respond to messages that arrive without having to enter their relevant app. So if an email drops in, you can reply directly by clicking on the message and it doesn't have to open up the mail app. Similarly with a text message, it doesn't have to open up text messaging or anything like that. That's quite nifty, I have to admit. I think that's something that we may see filtering into iOS. Um, Multitasking or rather multi-window tasking uh, which is something that will run pretty well on tablets, especially tablets running productivity suites, um, maybe like Office 365 or something like that. Um, there will be uh, smarter battery um, uh, management in the shape of the Doze feature, which um, uh, basically sort of in the same way that you know your iOS phone or your existing Android phone will, will go to sleep. This this will go really to sleep. <laughs> I guess, okay. or, if, yep. or, or it, you know, it, it'll notice when it's not being used, um, uh, as opposed to, you know, say you you have your phone on all the time and it's on in your bag or something like that. It's meant to it's meant to be a bit more clever that it'll, it'll recognize when it's being left in somebody's pocket or something like that. Yeah. Um, background updates for applications, something that uh, iOS users again are well used to, um, new to Android. Uh, file based encryption. So say you only want your documents encrypted as opposed to your whole phone, you can now do that. Um, also, uh, we have support for uh, Vulkan APIs, which is the, the 3D API engine. So if you want to design virtual reality apps or 3D games, Vulkan is for you. And support for Daydream, which is the new um, VR slash 
blended reality um, uh, application that Google is working on. So those are kind of for me. Those are the the mm. big um, the big new things. They they they're the kind of things that will look very snazzy in my brand new uh, Note Seven. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> the Note 7 that, that you have a, a long and uh, endearing relationship with if you want to share with the group. There you go. Listen, uh, thanks for keeping us up to date. Niall Kitson at uh, Tech Central. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Have you ever thought about the metal that holds your bike together or the silicon that makes up the microchips in your PC or smartphones? Or how about the wrapping that just keeps your food fresh? These are the kind of things that don't really give us much of a passing thought, but the researchers at the Amber Centre for Materials Research obsess over them, and thank God that they do. Amber is made up of researchers from Trinity College, UCC, and the Royal College of Surgeons, who are working on projects as varied as medical technology to better networks. Earlier in the week, Niall went to Trinity College to visit Amber Director Professor Mick Morris, where they talked about the research going on there and why everyone should consider a career in science. This morning I'm out at the Amber Centre for Materials Research and I'm speaking to Professor Mick Morris, who's the Centre Director. Um, I suppose to jump straight into a little bit about um, what Amber does, uh, I mean, the uh, thing over the door says materials science research. So exactly what does that mean? I mean, are, are we talking about reinventing water or something like that? So uh, what exactly are we dealing with? Um, but the material science that we do is largely associated with products. So how those products are made, how new products can be made, how we can improve current products. Uh, and the products range from all sorts of things, from uh, the plastics that wrap, wrap up meat and keep it fresh, all the way through to computer processes. So when we talk about materials, we, tell, we, we really mean the substances that make up everyday products. Uh, and when we look at sort of a research centre, it's kind of, you, you look not so much just as um, what is being done there, but how it's being run as well. So could you tell us uh, a little bit about the organisation of the centre? Okay, so the, the, the centre is organised, uh, obviously the, uh, the largest proportion of uh, what we do in the centre is by university researchers. Um, and for us, those researchers come from University College Cork, they come from uh, RCSI in terms of some of the biological materials that we use, um, they come from uh, University College Dublin, um, and other partners across the island, and they do the bulk of the research. Um, on top of that, we obviously have all the administration, uh, the financial oversight um, that looks after the centre, uh, and coupled to that, really strategic functions such as uh, a team which lead uh, our EU initiatives in terms of obtaining money for EU to support the, the money that we already get from the government. So, so that's how the centre works. It's a complex array of uh, administration, funding, management of that funding, and then actually the business end of it of doing the research and providing that research um, into our industrial partners. 
I think the business end uh, is something that regularly fascinates people. I mean, how do large MNCs come to a university and go, look, this is a really good idea, or this is something we'd like to explore? Um, to, to which extent is there um, a relationship with the likes of, you know, say, Intel, for example? You know, is, is it a, um, a symbiotic relationship, or do they come to you going, we, we have an idea, you've got the people, let's see what we can do? Um, it works both ways. Um, so we do have companies that co- either come in with a problem or with uh, a potential solution uh, and ask us to work on it. Uh, more often than not, though, I would guess that it's the quality of the research that people see an application for. And what they're coming for us to do is to carry out the translational research, which takes out of our laboratories into an industrial setting and eventually into everyone's homes. And when we're talking about translate, translational research, when people come to you with an idea, um, say, on the pure research end of things, to which extent are you thinking, I, I know a guy over here who, who can turn this into a viable business? Or are you still thinking at the level of you know, maybe pure research and we'll see what happens after that? Not every question needs to have a commercially applicable answer. Well, we're thinking of all, all of those things. So briefly within Amber, we... Uh carry out two essential programs of work. One is a fundamental work, which is really curiosity-led. And the second half of that is then looking at how that translates into industry. So within the core program and within the work that's done in researchers' own labs outside of AMBA, um, we obviously try to do the best possible science. And then as a second stage of that, AMBA really is focused on taking the most promising elements of that work and looking for industrial applications. And when we're looking at sort of uh, industrial applications, there are a few projects ongoing. I'm thinking specifically in work with graphene, which is sort of, um, it's a substance that's much hyped and that we we know is going to be the next big thing, but we're not too sure on the applications as it is at the moment. So when you look at um, sort of work in graphene, what's the timeline on that from sort of the seeing that we've got a new material, we've got a new substance, we're not terribly sure what its best applications are just yet. Um, I think in general, right, from invention through to actual full-scale use normally takes somewhere between 10 and 15 years. Um, Graphene might well be accelerated down that line. So already, although graphene is probably 10 years old now uh, in terms of general use, uh, but we are beginning to see real materials coming out of graphene uh, in terms of making really good, strong composites, uh, polymer composites, particularly for applications. So we're actually seeing them in cycle tyres. Uh, there were actually some wheels of some of the bikes in the Olympics that had graphene reinforcement. So we're seeing those sort of applications now. Some of the more far-off applications, such as use in in electronics devices, they're probably another five to ten years away. Um, But, of course, to enable those, you really need to do the the, the front-led, the real research now. And uh, in terms of other projects that are going on in the centre, I mean, I know graphene is sort of headline grabbing because it's still quite new. But um, what kind of other work are we seeing? So you see, see lots of work. So uh, we do a, a lot of work with uh, Merck uh, in terms of developing polymer membranes for various things, for filtration, uh, for biodiagnostic bio-diag- testing. So that would be a big application area for us. Uh, we look at... at Things like how to make batteries more efficient so that we can power our devices for longer without having to plug them in and charge them. Um, All the way through to 
some of the things we've done you wouldn't necessarily associate with with us but uh, making very strong uh, petrol tanks so making them lighter so that you actually can carry more, uh, less petrol uh, more efficient polymer polymer bottles for carrying Pepsi or Coke or, or soft drinks so absolute massive range of work that we do and that's a that's an extremely wide variety of projects um, but I, I think that also speaks to the uh, extremely wide um, gamut of, of scientific projects going on around the world at the moment things that you wouldn't necessarily think are ongoing uh, or you think you know we, we've nailed the can the food can that's that's it but these things are constantly being reinvented so i guess um for the the week that's in it with the cao um offers coming out people would be sort of um either rethinking or accepting their positions or you know for people that have just finished fifth year they're starting to think about which direction they might like to take their education so uh of course you're not you're not irish so can you tell us a little bit about your own career progression so what attracted you to science and eventually material science um what attracted me was just being in the lab right just the fun of actually uh, and particularly being left alone in the lab so I think all those people who are filling in CAO forms now uh, will think of university as an extension of school by the time you you get to the end of university you're actually carrying out your own research which no one has ever done and I think that's what attracted me just being able to go into the lab and contribute to, to things which weren't known before so that, that's really what excited, excited me um, so I went down a very conventional pathway. So I did my after my degree, I did my PhD, uh, which is a, a total hundred percent research uh, project for three or four years, um, and then I did a postdoctoral research where you're essentially a junior researcher in the university, and then after that I moved into industry, uh, uh, worked essentially on industry projects for ten years before coming back to university and uh, trying to use some of that uh, discipline right? the, the sort of disip- discipline that you get from industry and bring that back into academia so that's what I've been doing for about 120 years now <laughs> and do you find that um, that sort of return from industry to academia do you find that that's, all, that's something pretty much all academics should try at some point no I wouldn't be as um, I wouldn't, as, wouldn't, wouldn't be as, as definite as that I think it has advantages I think uh, particularly in material science you might see an advantage but I think you're always going to need researchers who just follow their curiosity I, th- I think trying to, fi- trying to have uh, uh, a research sec- sec- sector within the state universities you really need people who are curiosity-led and other people who are industry-led. And I, I, I think it's the amalgamation of those which lead to the best possible future. On the subject of being curiosity-led, I mean, one, of, one of, I think, the downsides of having really good STEM outreach at the moment is that people are looking at the sciences not as... Um, as yourself did, you know, as a, a way to explore and to solve problems. But they are looking at the sciences as more of a career path now. Do you think that that is, um, I don't want to say an unhealthy way of looking at things, do, but do you think people might start taking the sciences as sort of a, a safe option? <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, in the same way people might look at, um, say, accountancy or business studies or something like that. No, I think that's a very healthy option. Uh, I think uh, I think when you decide to go to university and you choose your degree, you're very young. Um, 
and I, I don't think you appreciate where you, where, where you can go with your degree um, so I think to think about it as a route into other careers be it all the way from engineering and architecture all the way through to working in banks doing software all those sorts of applications will be in, enabled by science and I think people should think of it uh, as a discipline for other things so within a science degree you not only learn the sciences but you get core skills in writing in presentation uh, in handling mathematics um, which which will serve you in any any purpose that you want to carry on for the rest of your life and uh, one subject that is very close to researchers' hearts at the moment in this country, I'm sure, is um, the fallout from Brexit, where you had uh, an entire market just over the IRC that was competing for research funding uh, that effectively isn't there anymore or won't be there in a few years. And uh, Do you find people are looking towards Irish universities now maybe more so than they did six months ago? I think it's too early to tell. I think I, you might try and look into the tea leaves and predict the future but I guess we just don't know um, obviously I think the strength of Irish, of, of Irish science at the moment is very high so we'd be looking to compete with the UK for funding at any level anyway um, but I, I think what happens is uh, it's in the future I, I, I don't know which way that's going to go I think Brexit's more uh, important impact here is that obviously we work very closely um, with our UK colleagues and actually having them out of the same funding stream as, as, as us would actually be a significant disadvantage I think not only to Ireland but to Europe as well uh, One last thing that uh, I notice a lot of universities compete on is, uh, is talent and attracting what people would regard as world-class talent to Ireland. Uh, what particular barriers do you think there are? I mean, is it purely a money thing? Is it access to markets? Is it access to facilities? Is it none of the above? I, th I, I, I think the main uh, problem with attracting uh, talent, talent to Ireland is essentially making those jobs attractive enough to, to attract world-class researchers. Um, we still play substantially less than the US. Um, we have a tax system which is particularly onerous, I think, uh, or it looks particularly onerous to people coming into the country. Uh, and those do, they're clearly two things that we want to want to fix. But I think from a facilities point of view, from a funding stream point of view, uh, from the money that's on offer to researchers coming in, we're a very attractive place to do research now. Um, so we're still attracting some of the best people in the world, um, but it could be better. And that was Niall Kitson speaking with Professor Mick Morris at the Amber Centre for Materials Research. That's just about it uh, for our show this week. Just before we go, Niall's still here with us, of course. Niall, what's our one more thing for this week? The one story online we couldn't squeeze into the show. Yeah, well, Airbus is working on something quite interesting at the moment. If you're getting used to the idea of self-driving cars, just wait till you get a load of self-driving air cars. We're finally getting into Blade Runner territory with this stuff. So. Uh, Blade Runner and Back to the Future and the whole thing 
saying I'm loving it you can get more on that and all of the Irish and international tech news with hourly updates you get daily newsletters and more at our website at techcentral.ie as well of course as our little radio show here Tech Radio Online and every Friday broadcast on RTE Digital Radio 1 Extra until next week for myself Dusty and from Nile at Tech Central HQ thanks for listening take care Get Tech Radio subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com Tech Central